It's a pleasure to be back here again in the church, and I thank the pastor for inviting me again. It's a true honor to be here with you. Now, there is one persecuted Christian every three minutes worldwide. You just witness one of the cases that we face daily. One free word international, we took over 300 cases. We never lost one of them by the grace of God. Now, there is... Last year, over 165 southern Christians was killed for their faith between 200 to 300 million persecuted Christians worldwide. But I am not here today to speak about the pain that the persecuted Christian is going through. I'm not here to speak about the, how many girls was raped, how many men, young men or old men was burned alive. I'm actually here today to speak with you about forgiveness. How can we forgive even in the midst of persecution? How? How I can see a father, and I met him face to face, his daughter was raped in the age of two years and a half, and sit down with him and talk with him about forgiveness. That he have to forgive the person who raped his daughter. How I can do that? But this is the reality. That's how we face the persecution. We don't face anger by anger or revenge by revenge or evil by evil. You lose the battle then. We fight hate by love, revenge by forgiveness, and evil by the power of the living God. That's how we fight our battles. Forgiveness and victory is the key to unlock the gates of persecution. Make no mistake. Forgiveness and victory is the key to unlock the gates of persecution. Now we need to understand, I will not try to make you like happy, happy, nice message and, and this and that. I went through it myself. And I can tell you, after I was tortured in the Egyptian prison, I don't know how many of you remember my story from last time I was here. I was tortured in the Egyptian prison after I converted from Islam to Christianity in the age of 18 years old. I will tell you what I went through. I will tell you exactly the lesson that I learned. I don't teach or speak of something that I don't have. Because I don't want to waste your time and don't waste mine. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why I don't preach about patience. I have none. <laughs> Seriously. I cannot preach to you about not swearing because I do it. Sorry. Sue me, but this is the reality. Especially when I'm in a mission. You don't want to be around me when I'm in a mission. Sorry, but that's true. And I flipped the finger too. Hey. This is real. That's real life. That's real life. I'm sorry. That's real life. I'm not saying that this is right. I'm saying I'm happy with it. <laughs> but forgiveness, I've been there. And it took me three years to know again how to preach the gospel because I couldn't preach the gospel for three years. Because I didn't have it. I couldn't. Forgiveness is one of the foundations of Christianity. You cannot live as a Christian without it. Now, before we start, you need to understand that forgiveness is a choice, is a declaration. Nobody was born with the gift of forgiveness, with my older respect. Did you ever see a child, child, and you hit them in the hand, on the hand, they turn around, they hit you back? Did you see this before? How did they learn that? Because revenge is sweet. Sorry. But revenge is very sweet. Don't you think that I wish to, to get hold of the guy that raped this little girl? Don't you think that I wish to beat the crab out of him? Excuse my language. Of course I do. Revenge is sweet. That's the true story. But revenge will give you the satisfaction for a little bit. But you will lose yourself after it. 
That's the problem. It's just a temporary pleasure will leave you empty and want more revenge. So there is revenge. Forgiveness is a declaration. Nobody was born with a gift of, of forgiveness. It's a choice that you take in your life. Now here is a question for you. It's actually it's not a question. I don't know why there is a question for you, but here is, here is my next statement. <laughs> there is four. I'm sorry, I did not sleep well in the last two days. I just, I just want to apologize in advance. There is four avenues of forgiveness. There is four avenues of forgiveness. Now I will ask you in the middle of everything, I will ask you, what is, what is four? What's number two? What's number three? So stay, stay awake with me because I will embarrass you. <laughs> and if you are with, with your wife, if you are with your girlfriend, if you are beside the lady or the guy that you like, I will embarrass you. So stay awake because you don't want to be embarrassed in front of them. You see my point? You understand me? Okay, get me. Okay. There is four avenues of forgiveness. Avenue number one is to love your enemy, to forgive your enemy. Number two is to forgive your brother and your sister in the Lord. Number three is to forgive yourselves. And number four, that you need to forgive God himself. Some of you would tell me, forgive God, but God is perfect. What do you mean forgive? Uh, hold your horses. And if you are in Egypt, I would tell you, hold your camels, but we're not. So... <laughs> Hold your horses for a minute. Now, let's, let, let's speak about category number one. Forgive your enemy. Now, when I came to the Lord as a young believer, in the age of 18 years old, I read the Bible, and the Lord said, forgive your enemy, bless who will curse you, and all of this cute stuff. And he said, well, if somebody slaps you in your face, give him the other cheek. I was like, Lord, that's really cute. Like, seriously. <laughs> Did you ever read the Bible and you read this verse and like, you know, it's, it's cool and everything, but sorry, you're the only one who can do it. That's why they call you Lord. <laughs> like, that's why you have this position. I can't do it. It's not possible for me. I had this attitude when I read this verse. It took me three years to understand why do we need to forgive our enemy? Why the importance of forgiving our enemy? There is three reasons why we need to forgive our enemy. Number one, because this is the difference between you and your enemy. Number one, because this is the difference between you and your enemy. Number two, because if you forgive your enemy today, tomorrow they can be your friends. After tomorrow they can be your brother and your sister in the Lord. Because they saw the love of Christ in action. Some of you would tell me, hold on a second, so I need to forgive my enemy just for their own benefit? What about me? Why do I care? This is where number three comes. You need to forgive your enemy to free yourself from the gel of revenge and hatred. Let me, let me talk to you about something, a story. In the old Asian history, in the old Asian history, um, the punishment for people who kill other people, like if you are a man killed another man, your punishment, this is a fact actually, this is historically fact. In the old Asian history, if you killed another man, they take this man or this woman, whoever you killed, and they don't kill you, your punishment that they don't kill you, but they take this dead body and they hang it in your shoulder forever. That was the punishment in the old Asian history. If you killed a man or a woman, they don't kill you. They don't put you in prison. But they take this dead person that you just killed, this dead body, and they hang it on your shoulder forever. What's happened, that after three days, the dead body started to decompose. And the bacteria from the dead one start to enter the body of the live one will kill him slowly. 
So in a matter of a week, you will die, but you will die a slow, painful death. This was the punishment in the old Asian history. That's exactly what will happen to you when you keep revenge in your heart. Is your dead body that you will carry in your shoulder. Now, some of you carry this dead body in your shoulder. You know who I'm talking about. You know yourself. Some of you carry this dead body in your shoulder. And I did carry it too, by the way. And sometimes I struggle with it. You think that I don't have a heart when I see stuff like this? What do you think will happen to me? I still have my nightmares from the torture. I still have my scars on my body. But I had to forgive the people who did that. Because I cannot carry this dead body any longer on my shoulder. Three years I carried. And I said, and I said after three years, I said, Lord, that's it. Enough is enough. I threw it and I said, Lord, you can carry it. It's yours, it's not mine anymore. I shall live. And some of you carry this dead body today. And I'm telling you, it's your opportunity to throw it today and to live free from the gel of revenge and hatred. The Lord said, love your enemy. Bless who will curse you. He didn't only say it. He didn't only preach it, but he proved it on the cross when he said, forgive them, Father, for they didn't know what they are doing. The Lord was wise enough to understand that there is no society, there is no community can survive an eye by an eye, tooth by tooth, or the whole society will end blind and toothless. That's the truth. So what is avenue number one of forgiveness? Oh, boy. <laughs> and we will have a long morning. What is number two? And number three? Number four? I don't know. Like, we'll see. So what is number two? Can I ask you a question and you answer me honestly? How many of you have been heard by brother and sister in the Lord before? Put your hands up. And by the way, the ones that didn't put their hands up is just, you're shy or liar or something. One of the two. <laughs> the question will always remain, if they betrayed your Lord by a kiss, why do you think that they will spare you? The question will always remain. Now, is actually harder to forgive brother and sister in the Lord. I will tell you why. Because when you are facing an enemy, that's his job, to attack you. Yeah. It's a battle. It's a war. When I go to Afghanistan or Pakistan or Iraq, I know that these people want to shoot me. It's fine. They can try. I get shot at seven times in the last seven, five years, and no bullet touched me. Last time I was in Iraq a few months ago, I had two close calls. I almost came home. It's the enemy. We're expecting attack from the enemy. But what about brother and sister in the Lord? That's even more painful because it's a betray. It's hurt you from the back. But the question, if the Lord said, love your enemy, what about your own brother and sister in the Lord? The Bible was very clear. When you have a problem with your brother and sister in the Lord, you have to go and speak with them face to face as your first step. The problem that we have here in North America, we don't speak with each other. No matter how small it is, the problem when we keep something even small in our hearts, the enemy make it bigger and bigger every day. No matter how small it is, go speak with your partner. Put it on the table and finish it. Don't keep it. Don't keep it in your heart. The more that you keep it in your heart, the more it will get bigger. And I'm not talking about stupid problems. Please don't misunderstand me. Oh, the pastor did not tell me good morning this morning. Oh, I'm so upset. 
Oh, somebody took my parking spot. I'm so unhappy right now. Grow up. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, seriously. I had people said that. I had people, oh, the pastor didn't say good morning. Well, what you don't, you don't know the pastor, what's happening with him. Maybe he have a headache. Maybe, maybe he had a fight with his wife. How do you know what's wrong with him? Maybe he just have gas. We don't know. <laughs> I don't know Darren for a long time, but I can guess. <laughs> you don't know. But when you have a problem with your brother, you have to bring it to the table. That's what the Bible said, to finish it. And maybe he will give you, he or she will give you a five-second explanation, will put your heart in ease and in peace. What well, the Bible said after that, well, if you went to your brother and sister, did not bring any result, you can go to the elders of the church. What will happen after that? You forgive them in your heart, you let go, and after that you try again. It's a dilemma. The lack of unity among ourselves and our churches. When I came to North America 10 years ago, my first culture, my first and biggest cultural shock was not the, build, the big buildings, was not the, uh, uh, the subways or, or any of these, was not even the country music. I know, I know, my, my legal advisor was like, uh, you are in Nashville, don't make jokes about country music, don't make, your life there can be more in danger if you did that. I'm sorry, I just, I, I'm, I'm, I don't like country music, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, uh, everybody have his own. I like Frank Sinatra. I'm more on the, um, you know, the classic side. You know what I mean? But you know, country music. If you play it backward, you get your house back. You get your wife back. You get your back. <clears throat> I don't say anything more than that. I have the right to remain silent. The lack of unity was the biggest shock that I had when I came here. See, our world divided to two zones, a conflict zone and a comfort zone. The more that you are in a conflict zone, the more that you have unity because you have the heat of the persecution. The more that you are in a comfort zone, you are bunching each other because there is no heat. And if you think that North America will not face persecution at some point, you are mistaken, it's already here, but in a small scales. But it was a promise in the Bible, if you will follow me, you will carry a cross on your shoulder. It wasn't only about healing and prosperity in the Bible, by the way. It was also persecution. The lack of unity among the church. Catholics don't like Anglicans. Anglicans don't like... Protestant or whatever. Protestant don't like Baptist. Baptist don't like, I don't know how many domination out there. There was an old joke. Three different group of people, they don't recognize three different things in their lives. Jewish people, they don't recognize Jesus as Messiah. Catholics, they don't recognize a personal relationship with God. And a Baptist, they don't recognize each other in the liquor store. <laughs> It's not your business how they worship. Even the Lord himself said, I came to save the world. I did not come to judge the world. I came to save the world. 
as long as they have the same Bible and they worship the same Lord, they are your brother and sister in the Lord. So Catholic, Baptist, born again, whatever. And you think by judging them, you think that they would know what the meaning of born again? Do you think by building walls or bridges that can make it easier? It's not your business how they worship. But it's your business to love them the way you are. And I need to tell you something. If we are all similar, this will be the problem. Our difference is the solution, is not the conflict. Our difference, our different dominations, our different beliefs and ways of, of living and worship, it can be the solution. It's not the problem. Allow me to explain. The puzzles. Do you know the puzzles? Did I say this right? Did you, do you understand my accent? Yes. Okay, because I don't understand yours. But the, the puzzles, you know, the pieces of puzzles when you put together. Yeah, you got it? Okay. Okay, well, I got it. <laughs> when you speak Arabic as well as I speak English, we talk together then. <laughs> if they are all similar, they will not fit together. If they are all similar, these pieces of puzzles, they will not fit together. But as long as they are different, they will complete each other, which is the biggest picture, the picture of Christ. Amen. That's how we do it. Now, what was the first avenue? Number two? Number three? Number four? Number five? Forgive your pastor. That's what <laughs> <laughs> forgive yourselves that's the hardest one we are very hard on ourselves you know what I'm talking about you know what I'm talking about right forgive yourself here's a conversation happened at some point in your life somehow some degree Here's a conversation happened to you at some point in your life. So it was between you and the enemy. And the enemy said, you cannot go to the church. You cannot read the, the Bible. You know what you did last weekend. You know what you did yesterday. You know about the bar. You know what you took there. You know who did you sleep with. You can't go to the church now. You know that you are not worthy. You know it's easier just to continue in the wrong road. Nobody will judge you there. Church is scary. It's all about religion and people will judge you. You know what you did last week. Didn't you? The enemy said. The enemy forget to tell you that Moses in the Bible was a killer. Moses did, did kill an Egyptian. Maybe it was my, my uncle, I don't know. Maybe I need to forgive him, I don't know. <laughs> the Lord forget to tell you that King David was a killer, an adulterer. And yet God still used him. St. Paul, before his name was St. Paul, his name uh, was uh, um, Saul. He used to go and kill the Christians and persecute them. God still used Moses to free his people out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery. King David built the biggest kingdom on earth for the Lord. He established the holy land on earth. He didn't build the temple, but he established the holy land on earth. St. Paul was on his horse in Acts 9.4 when the Lord appeared to him and fell down from his horse and he said, Why you persecuted me, said the Lord. St. Paul who wrote 13 books in the New Testament. If God can use them and forgive them, why do you think he cannot use you and forgive you? No matter what's your sins, no matter what you did. 
even if you continue doing mistakes, I'm not encouraging you to do mistakes, but even if you did continue doing mistakes after you become a Christian, by the way, you will do mistakes after you become Christian more than before, FYI. The enemy said, hold on a second. But you broke the law, the enemy said. You know what you did, you broke the law. So how come you say, just forget about it, you broke the law of God. You broke the law of Moses. Can I share with you a secret? I don't know how many times you heard this before or you would hear it or how many of you would not even believe what I just said. Do you know that the main purpose of the existence of the law is to be broken? Do you know that the main purpose of the existence of this law is to be broken? Allow me to explain. If you can get your own salvation by your own good work, we will not need Christ. But God knows that even by your own good work, you cannot get your own salvation. We need the blood of the Lamb. The main purpose of the existence of the law for you to broke it, to show you that you cannot do it in your own. You need Christ. That's the main purpose of the existence of the law. Some of you will say, but what about the law? Well, once you believe in Christ, it's not a Ten Commandments anymore. It's become Ten Promises. You believe in him and you will not steal. You believe in him and you will not kill. There's no commitment anymore. It's a promises. Are you with me this morning? Yes. So what is the last one? To forgive God. But God is perfect. What do you mean forgive God? Does mean God is a sinner? Just hold on for a second. I have a question for you. How many of you wake up in the morning and said, Lord, I, and I don't like that I have a curly hair, I want straight hair, really. Lord, why, 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 I, have, why I have a curly hair, I want straight hair. How many of you wake up in the morning and say, Lord, why have a straight hair? I want curly. Some of you wake up in the morning and said, Lord, I want hair, period. <laughs> sorry, Brian, I had to point at you, man. I'm sorry. Did you know that in, um, in, uh, in, in, when you go to Pakistan or India, they sell you a cream, cream to make your skin lighter? So brown people, they buy this cream and they put it in their skin to make them lighter skin, to look white. Did you know that white people would go in the sun, lie down for them to become brown? <laughs> And they have this weird spas that you go sit down and you become brown, you get out brown, something like that. I don't know. I'm happy where I am, man. I don't know about you. I'm happy where I am. I'm just right. I love it. I'm good. I'm good. And you wake up in the morning and you're asking God, and without you knowing, you are blaming him for things. Lord, why I cannot pay my bills? Lord, why you are not healing me? I'm a Christian. I obeyed you. Why you cannot heal this body? Why you cannot heal this cancer? Why? And sometimes it's even worse. Lord, why did you take my loved ones from me? What did I do wrong for you to do this? Why my children is not believers? What did I do wrong? And without you knowing, you are blaming God. 
Lord, why did you do this? Why did you do that? And you are blaming God for it, and you know it. Even without purpose, even without knowing. I need to share with you a story. When I come back from my work, I work normally, like from early mornings until late in the evening. So I come back exhausted, behind exhausted. And sometimes I just need to unwire, like I need to sit down, watch TV or some, some of you will say, oh, we'll read the Bible. No, I don't read the Bible when I want to unwire. Sorry, I just, I don't do that. I sit down and I have a glass of red wine or whiskey or something and I watch news. <laughs> sorry, very bad, but sorry. It is what it is. I'm a whiskey man, actually. I'm, I'm not just... Uh, thank you. After we finish the service, we go out. And sometimes I watch the news. Sometimes I watch uh, the... Uh, what's called? The National Geographic Channel you know, History Channel, uh, sometimes The Simpsons. I like to watch The Simpsons. <laughs> Seriously, I like to watch The Simpsons. My favorite character is Apu, the Indian guy. <laughs> Seriously, sometimes I like the Indian guy. I dirt him to blame the milk, but the milk was too happy. I dirt him that, but didn't believe me. <laughs> I seriously cannot understand Indians or Pakistanis, I'm sorry. Like, I'm brown man myself, but I really cannot understand them. I'm sorry. <laughs> but here's a question. I'm sitting down and I'm... And one time as I'm sitting down, they was showing a, a documentary in the National Geographic Channel. Oh, I should stay away from that? Okay, I got you. Okay. And they was showing an episode about eagles. Now, eagles is the national bird of Egypt. I will assume also United States as well. It's two different kind of eagles, but it's the same. It's our national, like in, in our flag, in the Egyptian flag, you found eagles. So I said, oh, that's interesting. I would like to know more about that. So I sat down and I was watching. And the episode was talking about a, a, a baby eagle. His father teach him how to fly. I think baby eagle have a different English word, eaglet. Uh, ig eaglet? For the next five, ten minutes, it's called baby eagle, long story short. <laughs> and, um, and the father was teaching his son how to fly. So the son went to his baby eagle and was carrying the baby eagle in, in his strong arms, very strong arms, and took him from his nest and was flying with him higher and higher and higher. And you can see the baby eagle trusting. He's very happy. He's flying in his father's arms. And you can see his little feather flying in the wind and everything. And he's so happy. Everything is just fine. I'm flying in my father's arms. I know. I know that I will be okay. And his father fly with him higher and higher and higher. When he reached civic height, he dropped him. And you can, say, you can see the baby eagle falling down, falling down, falling down. And he's crying to his father. Father, why did you forsake me? I did everything you told me to do. Why did you forsake me? I hold in your arms. I trusted you. And yet you let me down. Why? And the baby eagle falling down, falling down, falling down. And before he touched the ground by two inches, his father came and he catched him and flew with him again and dropped him again and catch him again before he touched the ground. Just before he touched the ground, he was there. He was there all along, but he want him to, to know how to fly on his own. He want him to develop strong wings, the wings of faith. And in order for him to fly on his own, 
to see the skies of his mercy and the stars of his glory. Sound familiar? People of God, forgiving God doesn't mean that God is a sinner. It means that you need to release God from your own unforgiveness. You need to release God from your own unforgiveness. And here we have it. This is the four avenues of forgiveness. But before I close, there's one more thing I want to do. And the Lord told me to do it. And before I close, I would just would like, first of all, I would like to thank a few people. Pastor, thank you for having me. It's not every time um, you found a church that will stand with you in the front lines. Believe it or not, it's very rare, actually. It's very rare when you see a pastor opening his church for the message of persecution. Because it's making the people feel uncomfortable. So most of the pastors don't want to feel their congregation uncovered because they can leave. So not everybody like Darren actually that's willing to stand with us in the front lines. We are actually was in the middle of, we're still in the middle of rescue mission. Another rescue mission like Niha, but I, I will not be able to discuss it with you yet. And we're still in the middle of it. It didn't take place yet because we still have some difficulties in it. And Darren was one, Darren and Shirsh was one of the people that came forward and supported and helped. I want to thank Chantelle Delage, um, the love of my life, for coming here. She is one of the best immigration lawyers in Canada. Her friend Candice, all the way from Toronto, uh, they are not here for me, they are here to attend something, country music festival, something like that. <laughs> They're not really here to support me. They are just, you know. They said, well, we're here anyway, so let's just go see this brown guy preaching. Let's just, let's just move forward. Um, I want to thank Brian and his wonderful wife, Jessica. I know that Brian's parents is here. I will assume both of you is his parents. Um, I blame you for everything. I just want to have <laughs> Uh, Brian been working with us now for two years, Brian. Um, he added a lot to the organization, and he stood with us as well in the front lines. I can just tell you that you should be proud by both of them. They're a really wonderful couple that they stood beside, in, in a very tough spot, standing with the persecuted church in the front lines. And in my eyes, both of them is no, not less than a hero's. So God bless you for for raising this wonderful child. You owe me the $500 for <laughs> I will wait for the check. Here is the last thing that I want to do before I leave. A few years ago, now can we get out of the box? Can we speak about things that you're not comfortable about? Okay. Well, a few years ago, September 11 took place. And many innocent Americans lost their lives. The people who commit this crime, people looked like me. This is just the reality. They look like me, they spoke the same language. They don't have the same heart though. And I know that some of you, this pain left some, I won't say hatred, but I would say unholy feeling in your heart toward our nations. I don't blame you. I'm sure as well in our nations, there are some people that they have unholy feeling toward you. But here it is, without forgiveness, without us standing side by side, this hatred has to stop somehow and start by us. Now I am here to stand with you in the gap. I am here to tell you 
forgive our nations for what they did to you. I'm Egyptian. I'm here, man. I'm here right now, right there. And I will go to my people and I will stand in the gap for you too. But here is my question to you. How many of you are willing to take this step of forgiveness and stand with me in the gap? If you are willing, stand up. I'm sorry for September 11. If I, am, if I can, if I'm able to stop it, I will sacrifice myself to stop it. Because your nation and your people is close to my heart. But it did happen. And we have to move forward. Both our nations have to move forward. And there is no way better than moving forward than believing in Christ in our both hearts. There is nothing can heal wounds more than Christ in our hearts. Our people have been suffering for hundreds and hundreds of years. Our people are ex-Christians in the Middle East, and we're still suffering until now. But we understood that we have to forgive even the people who killed us. We understood this many years ago. You're still new to that. But we've been there for many years before. Here is one thing you need to know. Darren, would you, can you come sit down here beside me? Here is how we'll close. Sit down, please. I just need you to face me. Okay. Now, I will pray for your nation hmm. as an Egyptian, and you will pray for my nation as an American. Yeah. Can we do that? Absolutely. Let's do that. You start. Yeah. Hmm. Lord, you are uh, sovereign. And what I know is I see in the book of Genesis that you had a promise for Isaac. You had a promise for Ishmael for, to be a great nation. Blessings on that nation that when uh, Ishmael was sent off into the wilderness, he survived uh, a living sacrifice. And to this day, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have come for all of us, that your blood wasn't just for the Jewish people, it was for all of us. And Lord, if we've learned anything, it's that war doesn't solve it, that it's the gospel, a regenerated heart the power of your blood, the power of God inside of us changing our hearts is the hope of our world. And for the people of Egypt who are in turmoil right now, a holy battle going on, uh, Lord, be with them, with the Coptic Christians, with the brothers and sisters that are in hiding, with the just the innocent bystanders. We, we can only see on the news and see the surface of what's happening, but we know that inside is, a, is a, a spiritual war for the very souls of the people of Egypt. And I know that when it says that uh, from every nation, tribe, tongue, that Egypt is among those nations that will stand before you alongside Americans, alongside Palestinians, alongside Indians and Russians that we'll all stand before you saying holy and righteous and true are your judgments O God and for the people of Egypt that might look to us and maybe rightfully so misunderstand us Lord would you allow us and I say us meaning me and the people of conduit to be an example of you Lord of your power of your forgiveness to the people of Egypt starting with Majid but going into Egypt and to all of the world. Would you be with them this morning, Lord? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Dear Lord, we give you thanks and we place your holy name. Thank you, Almighty God, for your gift on the cross. We thank you, Almighty God, that you died for our pain and our sin and our disease. And we thank you, Lord, that you rose again to give us the way and the truth and the life. We thank you, Almighty God, even in a time of persecution, 
even in a time of pain. Because we know, Almighty God, that after every night there is new morning carrying new day. After every storm there is sunshine. After every persecution there is victory in Jesus' name. I thank you, Almighty God, for the United States. I thank you, Almighty God, for the American people. I thank you, Almighty God, that they are people of compassion, love. I thank you, Almighty God, that they are your people. What belong to you, Almighty God, no enemy shall take it away from you. In Jesus' name. I pray, I pray that you will protect this land, Almighty God, from the enemy within or the enemy without, from the outside or inside, Almighty God. I pray that you will protect this land, Almighty God. I thank you, Almighty God. I thank you for the United States. I pray for our, for our American and Canadian soldiers, Almighty God, overseas, yeah. that you will bring them home safe and sound in Jesus' name. You will protect them. You will send your angels, Almighty God, to fight side by side with the Americans and the Canadian soldiers in Jesus' name. Yeah. I pray, Almighty God, that you will be with them every step in the way. I pray, Almighty God, that this nation shall not fall in Jesus' name. Yeah but rise from the ashes of the defeat and stand up against any financial trouble, against any um, attacks from outside or inside. I pray, Almighty God, that there is no politician will take it down in Jesus' name. I pray, Almighty God, that no, no matter who is the president, no matter what will happen in the election, your will will be done in Jesus' yeah. name. And you will watch over this great nation, Almighty God, from the people to the people, in Jesus' name. Mm. I thank you, Almighty God. I thank you that here, me and you, me and Darren is standing one by one, Almighty God, side by side, as a brother in the Lord. No matter what the different color of the skin, or background, or language, we are one in you, Almighty God. And we pray for the salvation of the Afghanis. We pray for the salvation of the Iraqis. We pray for the salvation of the Muslim world. And we pray forgiveness. Give us the ability to forgive, Almighty God. Help us to forgive. Please do. I hold in your promises in the Bible. If you believe in me in the size of mustard seed, you will remove mountains. So we remove the mountain of pain, Almighty God. We remove the mountain of agony. We remove the mountain of persecution. We remove the mountain of defeat. And we are calling for the mountain of victory. We are calling for the mountain of forgiveness. We are calling for the mountain of your grace. In the end of my prayer, I will ask from you to baptize us in your love and in mercy. In his almighty love, name we pray. And in Jesus, the Lord of lords and the King of kings, we worship and we believe. Amen. Amen. People of God, before I let you go, remember this as long as you live. The persecuted Christians is dying, but they're still smiling. They are in very deep, dark night, but they still have the candle of the living God. Our enemy have very strong armies, true. Our enemy have very strong weapons, true. But we have the Lord Almighty, and this is a fact. Believe me when I tell you, they can always kill the dreamer, but no one can kill the dream. Thank you, and God bless. If you wouldn't mind being seated for just a couple minutes more. Um, Majid is so right, because, you know, in, in what kind of a war do you shoot the hostages, right? The, the folks that, uh, the Islamic radicals that want us dead, they're not the enemy, they're hostages to the kingdom of darkness. The enemy is Satan. And so our prayer is that we are, uh, our weapon isn't, uh, <laughs> isn't aimed at them, but it's aimed at the enemy, and it is the gospel that transforms hearts that just like Sonny, the Muslim, and I'm telling you, the ride was a 12-hour ride, and I, it was Ramadan. We had to stop like every four hours while he'd get back on his carpet and pray. And we're like, come on, dude, we're burning daylight. But, that's, but the power of the gospel is what will change his life, what will change his family's life and bring us together. It's interesting when I look in 2 Corinthians 8, and Paul was talking about receiving an offering for the saints in Jerusalem who were being persecuted at that point and were suffering and were in famine. And interesting, he didn't actually say, he didn't talk about the suffering. He didn't show pictures. And what he said was, this is about your love for Christ. 
That's 2 Corinthians 8. Look through there. He actually almost feels manipulative. He says, if you love Jesus, you'll do this. But it isn't manipulative because what he was saying was what Jesus said, which is when you've done it unto them, you've done it unto me. So if we love Jesus, we would do that. We would visit them. We would, and in this case, maybe we can't go to Egypt. We're maybe not all called to go to Afghanistan or Iraq, but we, what we say at Conduit, you can be a goer or you can be a sender. You can be both. You can be either, but you cannot be neither. And today there are a lot of us in here that are senders. And I would ask that in your heart today that you would consider investing using Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 9 that you would consider planting a seed into what Majid is doing. As a church, we have done that at a corporate level. This is not something where I can just put out a tweet and say, hey, Majid is going into a nation and we need to get you know, help to him because the last thing he needs is people knowing that he's going to the nation ahead of time. And so we had to kind of do that under the radar screen and know that he is continuing on that mission that we spoke of a couple of months ago. And maybe today that's what the Lord had put on your heart to plant a seed into that to be a part of what he's doing and to visit the Nihas of the world. Because ultimately we're just doing it for Jesus. We do it because we love Jesus, because he first loved us. So as we worship for just a couple minutes longer, there's gonna be a bucket come in front of you. Take some time, pray about it. Is that what the Lord is asking you to do? And then tonight, please, if you can at all uh, make it tonight, six o'clock at the boiler room in Franklin, uh, it's at the factory. We will have child care there for the little ones. If the little peanuts, you want to bring them and you're afraid they would distract, we'll have child care. But here's the thing. I got to know that ahead of time so I can know how many people to hire to be there. So if you could sign up at the conduit information table, let us know you'll be there. And the little peanuts uh, that maybe it wouldn't be appropriate for that we can put them at, uh, get, take care of your kids. Just let us know. We just, we have to know ahead of time. So please sign up out there. Uh, at the information table. Lord, would you move on our hearts today, not out of uh, manipulation, not out of guilt, but out of our love for you, because you did that for us, that you gave your life for us, that we would then be able to say, I can't go to Iraq. I don't feel the Lord leading that direction, but man, I sure would love to invest in what Majid is doing and become a part of that. Lord, would you speak to our hearts this morning, each and every individual, listen to your voice, to what amount that it would be that we could invest into the Nihas of the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.